Let us open our Bibles. Our scripture reading for this morning is from Galatians 6. That's on page 1341 of your pew Bibles. So Galatians 6. Brethren, if if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught the word Share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And then the text for the uh, sermon is verses 7 to 10, and maybe I'll just read them once again. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. The sermon that I am about to read has been prepared by the Reverend J. Poppy, Back in 2014, uh, when he was Minister of the Word at Redeemer Canadian Reformed at Winnipeg, Manitoba, 
They may possibly be there now as well, I'm not quite sure, but that's where I got the sermon from. And then after the sermon, we will sing from Psalm 73, verses 7, 8, and 9. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, how many of you have ever grown a garden? Have you ever planted seeds in the ground? It is a fun thing to do, to plant seeds into the soil, make sure that they are watered, and see them sprout. First, you just have the tip of new plants poking out of the soil. Yet within a number of weeks, the different garden plants begin to grow. And within a couple of months, you are able to begin harvesting different vegetables, lettuce, beans, peas, sweet corn, tomatoes, cucumbers, onions, carrots, and the like. A whole variety of different vegetables. Yet, what you end up with depends very much on what kind of seed you plant. If you plant those big brown bean seeds, you cannot expect carrots to grow. If you plant those flat white pumpkin seeds, you cannot expect a row of corn to sprout and mature. Everyone knows that you need to plant bean seeds to grow beans and corn seeds to grow corn. That's only common sense. You reap what you sow. You are only going to harvest a certain kind of vegetable if you plant that kind of seed into the ground. Paul uses this image of reaping what you sow and applies it to our lives. By means of this metaphor, he wants to teach a spiritual lesson. His point is that how we live our li daily lives has consequences. There are things that we can do to grow in faith, hope, and love. If we pursue these things, this will bear positive fruit in our lives. Yet, it is also possible for us to indulge our sinful nature, to walk in the ways of sin, thinking that no one will know and that we can get away with it. Yet, that is not true. There are always negative consequences that result from a sinful way of life. Ultimately, this pathway leads to death and destruction. Thus, this morning, we will examine the different pathways that we can walk on, the different things we choose to do, whether good or bad, are like seeds planted in the ground. The results or fruits of our choices in life most often are not immediately evident. Just like a seed planted in the ground needs to germinate and sprout, so it is with our good and bad decisions in life. Over time, the fruits of how we live in our lives will become more and more evident, for good or for bad. When we see good fruit coming forth in our lives, we may be thankful for God's grace and spirit, for all good comes only from him. When we see bad fruit coming forth in our lives, we need to take this as a warning, not to continue in this way, lest we be overcome by evil. I preach you, to you the word of God under the following theme. You reap what you sow. The first point, if you sow to the flesh, you reap destruction. The second point, 
If you sow to the Spirit, you reap eternal life. And the third point, thus continue to do good so that you may reap a bountiful harvest. In our text, Paul contrasts two different ways of life. He contrasts sowing to the flesh and sowing to the Spirit. When Paul talks about sowing to the flesh, he means our sinful nature inherited from Adam. Sowing to the flesh means giving in to the sinful urges and impulses that spring forth from our corrupt hearts. When Paul talks about sowing to the Spirit, he is referring to the new nature that God works in us by His Spirit. About our, our Spirit-fueled desire to obey God's commands and to live to His glory. This is not the first time that flesh and spirit are set in opposition to each other. Paul did that already in Galatians 5. Then he used a military example. In Galatians 5 verse 17, Paul says, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. Our old and new natures are continually at war. The works of the flesh are opposed to the fruit of the Spirit. Our lives are a battlefront in which the flesh and the Spirit fight for dominion over us. Yet in our text, Paul approaches this ongoing struggle from a different perspective. He uses an agricultural image instead of a military one. Paul explains that there are two different kinds of seed that people can plant in this life. You can plant good seed or bad seed. If by the power of the Spirit you give heed to God's commands and walk in His ways, you are sowing good seed. If you indulge the sinful nature and give in to your sinful urges and desires, you sow bad seed. The point that Paul wishes to make in our text is not just that we can follow different pathways in life. The point is that the type of seed that you sow determines the type of harvest that you can expect. Just as the type of seed you plant in your garden will determine whether you reap beans or corns, or corn, so the choices we make to do good or evil will also bear corresponding fruit. The general principle is that you reap what you sow. This is a message that the Bible repeats over and again in many different places. Eliaphaz says to Job that those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. At the breath of God they are destroyed. At the blast of his anger they perish. Job 4 verses 8 and 9. Proverbs 11 says in verses 18 and 19, the wicked man earns deceptive wages, but he who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. The truly righteous man attains life, but he who pursues evil goes to his death. Hosea writes about how those who sow the wind will reap the whirlwind. Hosea 8 verse 7. He describes how Israel's unfaithfulness to the Lord is like sowing wind. 
You cannot expect to harvest a good crop if you do not put the seed in the ground. In the same way, Israel would not inherit God's blessing, but rather his curse because of their disobedience and idolatry. Revelations describes Christ's second coming as a day of reaping, when every person will be judged according to what they have done. Having understood the general principle, we focus on how, if you sow to please the sinful nature, you will reap destruction. In a way, it seems somewhat surprising that Paul speaks these words. Throughout his letter, Paul has emphasized that good works count for nothing. The Judaizers taught that to share in the blessings of salvation, you not only needed to believe in Christ, but that you also needed to keep the law, that salvation was by faith and works. Paul has vigorously opposed this false doctrine. He fought against the teaching that Gentile converts needed to be circumcised and keep the ceremonial law in order to share in the blessings of Christ. Paul has emphasized that salvation is by grace alone, that Christ has kept the law for us, and that we cannot add to the salvation he has accomplished for us. That anyone who relies on observing the law as a means of salvation is under God's curse. For to earn salvation by works requires perfect obedience. Thus, we are saved by grace through faith apart from the works of the law. So it may seem kind of strange that in a letter where Paul has emphasized grace and warned against trusting in good works for salvation, Paul now teaches, do good works. And what is even stranger, that what you do will have consequences both for this life and the life to come. Isn't this a contradiction? Not at all. Paul's point has never been that works are not necessary in the life of a Christian. His point against the Judaizers was that works cannot save you. Paul's teaching that the one who sows to please his sinful nature will from that nature reap destruction has particular application to the saints at Galatia. The Judaizers harped on the necessity of being circumcised and keeping the law of Moses. Yet in a way, that was sowing to their sinful nature. Christians who bought into this teaching were sowing the seed of pride and self-reliance, believing that at least in part, they were able to contribute to their salvation. These legalists looked down on others who did not do the works they did. Their perspectives led to dissension and factions in the church. Their wrong views produced bad fruit. Yet that is not all. If they persisted in their belief that they could contribute to their salvation, they would lose it entirely. For to partake in God's grace in Christ, you need to believe that salvation is found in Christ alone. Paul's teaching that the one who sows to please his sinful nature will from that nature reap destruction also applies to others in the Galatian churches. There were those who wanted to use their freedom in Christ to indulge the sinful nature. 
There is a particular temptation, there is a particular temptation for us, beloved, to use God's gift of salvation in Christ Jesus as an excuse for living a lazy, selfish, worldly lifestyle. To think that since we are saved, it doesn't really matter how we live our lives. We can be tempted to live as we please and just ask for forgiveness at the end of the day, thinking that will make it all okay again. Paul teaches that this is a wrong perspective on life. Our actions have consequences. What we do today and tomorrow will have an impact on our lives in the months and years that lie ahead. If we sow to please the sinful nature, we will reap destruction. If you give in to the sinful desires of the flesh and do what you want, instead of what God teaches, you will pay the price. God will bring the consequences of your actions back on you, not because he is out to get you, but simply because that is how he has ordered life. Let me give some examples to show that this is true. Sometimes there is a very clear connection between our actions and the consequences of those actions. If you drive while being drunk, you may end up in a wheelchair or have to spend the rest of your life grieving over the fact that you have killed someone. If you live an unchaste life, there is reasonable chance that you will end up with some kind of sexually transmitted disease. If you do drugs, the likelihood is that they will enslave you and that your life will spiral out of control. Christian teenagers do not always understand the connection between actions and consequences. We can be tempted to think that high school is a time for fun. In a way it is, but it is more than just having a good time. If you are lazy, don't do your homework, and don't study diligently, you will not do very well at school. The problem is that suddenly your options for the future are limited. Because of bad marks, you may be restricted from entering the college or university program that interests you. You may find that because you have not learned a good work ethic, employers are reluctant to hire you. Your laziness and indifference can really come back to bite you. Many young people think that they can get away with sexual sin, that they can sow their wild oats while they are young, and that a little later in life they can settle down and live a happily married life. Yet how many of us are aware of the fact that sexual sins often cause deep feelings of shame and guilt? Do you not realize that having sex before marriage will undermine your capacity for true intimacy in marriage? When couples have sex prior to marriage, it undermines their trust and respect for each other. Sexual sins committed prior to marriage wreak havoc in marriage relationships, especially if they have not been dealt with. There are times when we may have a personality clash with someone else in the congregation. You may secretly despise or resent a brother or sister that may come out in petty disagreements. If you allow loathing or resentment to simmer in your, in your heart, it will bring forth bad fruit. 
In your own life, it will bring forth the fruit of the sinful nature, hatred, jealousy, and fits of rage. In the congregation, it will also cause problems, for your negative feelings will cause discord, strife, and dissensions in the fellowship of the church. Sometimes people struggle with anger. Some express their fits of anger in fits of rage. Others internalize their anger and allow it to poison their mind with resentment and bitterness. If anger characterizes your life, it will bring forth much bad fruit. People who get mad easily will find struggles in their relationships with others. Anger destroys intimacy in marriage. It breeds resentment in children. It makes others around you wary of you. Nobody likes dealing with an angry bully. You see, beloved, you reap what you sow. It is a principle that applies to all of life. I came across an old saying that puts it nicely. Sow a thought and you reap an act. Sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. That is the point that God is making in our text. Our deeds have inevitable consequences. If we sow to please our sinful nature, we will reap destruction. Not only will we face the consequences of our sins in this life, if we do not repent, we will in the end suffer God's wrath against our sins. We will come under his condemnation. The principle that you reap what you sow is true, not just in a negative sense, but also in a positive sense. We will deal with this in the second point. In it, we will see that if you sow to the Spirit, you reap eternal life. What does it mean to sow to the Spirit? Sowing to the Spirit means doing good things that are pleasing to God. When the Reformers interpreted Galatians 6, they connected sowing to the Spirit with verse 6. It says, Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Thus, they instructed churches to support the ministry of the gospel by caring for their pastors. Today, many Bible interpreters widen the meaning of what it means to sow to the Spirit. Many focus on the need to attend church so that we can hear the preaching and the need for regular times when we read and study the Bible. These are important things, for God uses his word to transform our lives. The Spirit works through the word to transform us and to renew us in God's image. Isaiah speaks about this in Isaiah 55. He speaks about how God sends rain and snow to the water, sends rain and snow to water the earth and make it bud and flourish so that it yields seed to the sower and bread to the eater. He says that in the same way God sends forth his word, it will not return to him empty, but will accomplish what God desires and achieve the purpose for which he sent it. 
Yet sowing to please the Spirit involves much more than supporting the ministry of the gospel or being busy with God's word. Sowing to please the Spirit is the same as living by the Spirit. Galatians 5 verse 16. Being led by the Spirit. Galatians 5 verse 18. Producing the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 22. And keeping in step with the Spirit. Verse 25. Ultimately, sowing to please the Spirit means to please the Spirit by living according to God's commands and doing His will. Students, you can sow to the Spirit when you do your homework. You do it well because you know that's God's calling for you right now to study hard and prepare yourself for a life of service in this world and in Christ's church. Young people, you sow to the Spirit when you withstand the temptations of the flesh and commit yourselves to sexual purity before a marriage. Parents, you sow to the Spirit when you bring up your children, teaching them to know and serve God and disciplining them to love, in love to guide them in His ways. Husbands and wives, you sow to the Spirit when you turn away from selfishness and work together in true spiritual partnership. Employees, you sow to the Spirit when you work hard, even if the boss isn't watching you. No matter what kind of work you are called to, you are to do it wholeheartedly in the service of Christ. Even if your boss doesn't recognize your contributions, God does, and he will reward you for them. Employers, you sow to the Spirit by running your business for the glory of God, giving thanks for the opportunities and talents the Lord has given you. The Lord sees and will reward you when you deal honorably with your customers and employees. We sow to the Spirit when we deny our own selfish ambitions and serve others. We sow to the Spirit when we repent of envy, bitterness, frustration, and anger that lives in our hearts and when we are willing to do whatever it takes to be reconciled to those whom we are at odds with. We sow to the Spirit when we let go of grudges and are willing to forgive those who have wronged us. We sow to the Spirit when we gently restore those who have fallen and when we bear the burdens of those who are struggling. What we need to recognize, beloved, is that whenever we think a thought, speak a word, or perform some action, we are planting seed. Whenever we think, say, or do anything out of love for God or our neighbor, we are sowing to the Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, Paul encourages us to plant lots of good seed. He says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. However, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. When we say and do things to the glory of God, these are like good seeds planted in the ground. They will spring forth and bear fruit. In our text, Paul writes, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Galatians 6 verse 9. 
We reap a harvest in different ways. If we sow to please the Spirit, we will grow in Christ-likeness, Disciplining yourself so that you turn away from the works of the flesh will help you grow in holiness. If you are seeking the glory of God in all you do, more and more your life will begin to reflect the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control will more and more characterize your life. If you show forth such a character, your relationships with others will also be blessed. It will be more possible to develop an intimate marriage relationship where you can share your joys and struggles in a heartfelt way with your spouse. Your relationship with your children will flourish, for they will experience you as a parent who truly loves and cares for them and who is supremely interested in their well-being. You will also be blessed in your relationships at work and with brothers and sisters in the congregation, for others will see that you are a faithful, dependable, caring, supportive, and loving. Ultimately, God's promise is that those who sow to please the Spirit will reap eternal life. Paul is not saying that we can be saved by our good works. Eternal life is a gift God gives to all who believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Yet, if you are a true believer, your life will be devoted to loving God and doing His will. God has promised to reward all those who walk in His ways. They will not only inherit the joy and glory of living with God eternally, they will also be allowed to enjoy some of the fruit of their good deeds in the life to come. Matthew 25, verses 21, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 14, and Hebrews 11, verse 6. Revelations 14, verse 13, speaks about our deeds following us. And in Revelations 22, verse 12, Christ says, My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. This brings us to our final point. Thus, continue to do good so that you may reap a bountiful harvest. Our text ends with this encouragement. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Galatians 6 verse 10. As anyone involved in gardening knows, sowing is hard work. Planting seed requires long hours of persistent labor. That also applies to the Christian life. By nature, we are weak. We easily get tired. We can find it hard to fight against the sinful temptations of the flesh. <clears throat> we can quickly get discouraged if we don't see our work bearing any kind of fruit. We are also faced with so many needs around us. Our families need us. There are brothers and sisters who are straying or who bear heavy burdens. There is always more that we could be doing to support and encourage those who are in need. The result is 
that we can grow weary of doing good. We can be tempted to give up. Paul encourages us not to give up. We need to keep the goal in mind. Planting good seed may be hard work, but in the end it will yield a bountiful harvest. Yet this does not mean that we can be all things for all people. God calls us to use the gifts and talents and time and energy he has given. The call is that as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. There is a limit to what any of us can do. We need to work within the means God has given, but we must continue to work. We will only reap a harvest if we don't give up, but persist in doing good. Our doing good needs to be extended to all people. The summary of the law teaches that we are to love God with all our heart and our neighbor as ourselves. Christ made it clear that our neighbor is anyone and everyone whom God puts in our pathway of life. Yet in doing good, we need to be particularly focused on our brothers and sisters who are part of the church family. Charity starts at home. We need to ensure that especially the needs of those who are part of the church family are met. We also need to recognize that we cannot fulfill our calling to sow, to please the Spirit, and to do good to all people in our own strength. By nature, we are inclined, inclined to hate God and our neighbor. If it depends on us, we would be self-focused, and we would only want to fulfill the desires of our sinful nature. Yet God does not ask us to honor and glorify does not ask us to honor and glorify him and serve our neighbor in love in our own strength. He has poured out his spirit in our hearts. By his spirit he transforms us so that we want to do good so that we want to do what pleases him. By his spirit he renews and strengthens us so that we may continue to do good. Beloved, this morning we have learned a most important principle, that we reap what we sow. This is true in both a negative and a positive sense. If we consistently give in to the sinful urges and impulses of the flesh, we do the works of the sinful nature and will suffer the consequences of sin in our lives. Instead, God calls us to fear him and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. By doing good, we sow to please the Spirit, and we will reap the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. This morning I put before you the way of death and the way of life. Choose for life. Glorify God in all you say and do, and show that by continuing to do good to all people, for then you will reap life with God, now and eternally. Amen.